Amen. Good morning. Buenos dias. It's good to see you all. All of you in the lobby, we want to invite you in. Come on in, adults and kids. Are there any kids in here yet already? I see a couple of kids. <laughs> I see a couple of adults waving too. Kids, we're excited to have you with us this morning for our worship. Thank you for joining us. And everybody, thank you for joining us this month as we have done things a little bit differently with our pre-service. Setting aside this room to have a time to pray together has been so, so good as we focused on prayer. So thank you so much for joining us with that. Uh, we want to invite you to stand because we have some worship this morning that is exciting, is invigorating. It talks about how in the Lord we are a new creation. We are born again, the old is gone, the new has come. All right, so we want to invite you to put your hands together and sing this out with us. God, we just thank you for moving mountains, for us, for sending your son to die for us, God, and your grace and your mercy. God, that we can cling to those truths today. God, would you just be with us this morning as Dan comes and talks about our vision. God, would you bless him and... Um, Open our hearts to what he has to say. In Jesus' name, amen. And kids, wherever you are, it is time to go to Kids Life. Thanks for being with us this morning. We'll miss you guys. See ya, but you're going to have a lot of fun where you're going, for sure. Hey, good morning. Buenos dias. It's good to be here with you on this Vision Sunday. So we're going to jump right in today. I have great memories as a kid of playing the game Capture the Flag. Has anybody played that before? Capture the Flag? So Capture the Flag is this game um, that you play it outside usually. You split into two teams, and your goal is, as the name says, to capture the flag of the other team and bring it back to home base. Without being tagged, if you get tagged, you go to jail. And the most important part of this game is the strategy and the five minutes before the game starts. That's when the teams like assemble together on each side and they decide strategy. And I think that's usually where the game is won or lost. Because if a team is on the same page together, they're going to have an advantage. If a team can't agree or they have competing ideas... The odds are not in their favor. The same rule applies when you start the game, is if everyone's together, you have an advantage. But if people stray off from the original vision, the strategy, what happens is the odds are not in your favor. It's a fun game. I think it should be our next event. What do you think? Let's do it. I'll have the ER squad on call for that. Today we find ourselves in a unique time uh, in history, um, we've been through several things as a church. We know, like a pandemic. We've been through a cultural upheaval. Some would call a crisis in our world. Uh, we've been through a fire. And so what's next? Come on, Lord. What's next? Some of you are saying, don't say that. <laughs> That's enough. And we're on the brink of going back to our facility, which we're excited about. I'll share that at the end of the day. And back to what is probably going to be almost a new place. And that's, thank you, Lord, for that. And we're at a time of great opportunity. But my prayer, and I've been praying this, God, as we go back, 
We're not going back. We know we're not going back to something that was. We're moving forward to something that will be that God is doing. Because the thing about our God is, and sometimes we have a hard time with this because we don't like change, but the Holy Spirit is about change. He's about moving into new places, taking new ground. That's what he does. And so we're invited to do that, and we want to do that. So we need to be ready to move with his spirit. Amen? Okay. When Jesus established a church, he said these words to Peter. He said, you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. In the Bible, the church is often described as an army that's in a battle. We're told to put on armor. We're told to wage war differently. We're told to be soldiers, it says in 2 Timothy, to not get involved in the things of this world. And for some of us, that's a troubling association, right? Because when we think of armies, we think of, 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 of violence. We think of, of moving forward, advancing, um, forcefully attacking, unethically moving forward. And even as Paul used the term in his day, the Jews were under the military power of Rome. Nevertheless, he used these terms, these descriptions, but with a different kingdom and different tactics in mind. And for Paul, it was quite clear who the leader of this army was, the leader of the church was. It was Jesus, the head of the church. And, and Jesus gave orders, had goals for his body. And we're going to talk about a couple of these this morning as we talk about vision. There are two things. I, there's a lot of things that Jesus said, but I narrow it down to these two things. That the lost would be found. That those who don't know Jesus would come and find life in him. And that the found, those who believe, would be transformed together into one in Christ. Oneness. Unidad. Am I saying that right? Unidad? You want to say it with me in Spanish? Here we go. Unidad. Oneness. And so today, it seems wise like, to test everything through the lens. When a new opportunity comes, does it help us accomplish what Jesus wanted? Does it help us reach the lost? Does it, does it help us to be transformed into one together in Christ? And just like capture the flag, our unity together as the body, as an army, our rowing together towards what he wants is going to play into our effectiveness and moving forward in this battle we're in. Now, in our time, we, we're in a time where there are, are real threats to the army, just like they, there were in the early church. So I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy. We're going to be in 1 Timothy today, and we're going to talk about some of these things. So as you turn there, a brief background. Paul had gone on mission to share the gospel. He spent years in, in Ephesus, a city called Ephesus. And he had a partner at his side, a young apprentice named Timothy. And after several years, Paul decided it's time to go on to a new mission, and Timothy stayed behind. And this, this letter is Paul's communication, his instructions back to Timothy, right? Timothy, who's remained in Ephesus. And here's what Paul says. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Jesus Christ our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father 
and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command, the reason I tell you this, is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. So, so what is threatening the church? What do you see there as you hear those verses? False doctrines, right? You hear, we hear false doctrines. We hear devotion to endless myths and genealogies. Sound like our time at all? Controversial speculations. And the result is that people were getting sidetracked from the vision. And Paul said, Timothy, you got to deal with this. You got to deal with this. There was a division happening, division, a dismantling of vision, a threat to vision. And as verse 4 says, a, it was a retreating or a stalling of God's work rather than an advancing of God's work. There were things just going around that people kind of got focused on. You know, one of the things going around back then was, was Jesus this rumor that Jesus, when he was a child, he had formed a bird out of clay, and then he had blown on it, and it came to life, and it flew away. There are things like this just going around the early church. Myths were not the only thing. Here are some more threats that Paul mentioned throughout 1 Timothy. People were forbidding people to marry. People were uh, uh, ordering others to abstain from certain foods. There was godless myths and old wives' tales being passed around. There was an unhealthy interest in controversies. There were quarrels about words that ended in, in strife. There was arrogance. There, was, there were those who put their hope in wealth, and there were people engaging in godless chatter. That's a lot going on, isn't it? That's a lot of, of division happening. And it was, it was stalling the goal, helping the lost be found helping the found to be transformed. Can you picture with me a real army? And there's, the army is advancing, victories within reach, and there's two soldiers in the trench, and they've stopped fighting. They're arguing because they're arguing about one has less mud on their shoes than the other. Or one, they're arguing about who cleaned their gun better that day. It's just kind of absurd when you think about in the scope of what the battle is to be arguing about things. And the aim of our pursuing Jesus and his word is not to get involved in endless debates and controversy or to be more right or to dominate. It is to know God's heart, to experience God's heart, and to be transformed. So that, as verse 5 says, love, love comes out of us. And where the vision is stalled where the vision is retreating, almost always you find distraction and you find division. And so a good amount of Paul's writing to Timothy is, is resetting the vision, is reminding him of the vision. This is what we're shooting for. This is why we're here. We're here to find the lost. We're here to help the church become one, to have an impact on the world, to be transformed. And so here's just one example where Paul 
resets the vision with Timothy. This is in 1 Timothy 2, chapter 2, where it says, he's writing to, to Timothy here, Timothy, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and for those in authority, all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, and the vision, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom. He gave himself as a ransom for all people. So side note in this, pray for your leaders. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your leaders. That's where the answers are, to pray for them. But what's the vision? Why, why do we pray for these people? Because God wants all to know him. They, he wants all to find life in him through the mediator, through Jesus Christ. The only one, the only one who can make us right with God. So Paul resets the vision. And when it comes to things that threaten that vision from happening, Paul says later to Timothy, but you, man of God, flee from all this. Flee from the distractions. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. He goes on to say, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from the godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in doing so have departed from the faith. Timothy, remember why we're here. Help the lost be found. Help the found be transformed. And that's the vision of our commander, of our Lord Jesus. He lived it. When he was here, he, he put this cast of characters together, right? We know them as his disciples. They were very different from each other. They, many of them would not have gotten along together in the world. But Jesus brought them together, tax collectors, fishermen, activists, and he, he spent time with them. And he, before he left them, he prayed for them. And let me summarize again the prayer in John 17. Father, I pray for these guys and all those that they will reach as they share about me. I pray for oneness. Oneness, just like we have, Father. Oneness. For them to be one together and one in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. That's the basis for oneness. Jesus himself, our Lord, our commander. And oneness is both the beginning and the end of our transformation. It's a part of the path to transformation, and it's the result of us being transformed is oneness as a body of Christ. Now, Paul, uh, Paul hammered on this message. I, I, we pull out isolated verses, but I want to I show you some a thread of what's happening here, what Paul is trying to accomplish when he's trying to bring two different people groups, Jews and non-Jews, Gentiles, together in one church, okay? So let's, let's look at some of these here. I'm going to go forward a little bit. Okay, Jesus has made two groups, Jews and Gentiles, one. Jesus has created a new humanity. 
Jesus has made us members together, sharers together. Jesus has made us different from those who are different, one in him. Jesus has called us to have one mind, one voice together, to accept one another. Jesus has put, called us to put on love, which binds us as one together. And Jesus has called us as members of one body, though we're different, to peace, oneness. Now let me go back and share a quote from a pastor, Derwin Gray. Who, who talks, he's written a book called Building a Multi-Ethnic Church, and he says this, the Apostle Paul envisioned and built local churches where ethnocentrism, that's the idea that my culture is best and you have to adapt to it, where that classism, sexism, were crucified on the bloody cross of Christ and by his resurrection power. Oneness. Scripture urges oneness in the body of Christ. In Palestine, there is an organization, a faith-based organization made up of, of Palestinian Christians and Jewish Christians with their goal of, of becoming one, trying to get believers from, from Palestine, believers from Israel together and one. I want you to hear a little bit of the story here. Oh, okay. 2000, I met her. Uh, she, uh, her name is Riti. Catherine and, uh, and I went on a trip with Musalaha ladies, and we were roommates. And we are enemies, you know? They are Jews and we are Palestinian. But we enjoyed, the, we enjoyed for, the, for the time that situation. After 16 years, when I got sick, they found it's very serious things. It's sarcoma cancer. I understood that she was sick. And I understood that she was in Israel. My family can't come to the hospital because there is no permission for them to come. And the thought that she was sitting at the hospital all by herself broke my heart. So I began to visit her again and she brings very delicious alga <laughs> with her and start to cry in the hospital, pray with me. We became friends. We, we really enjoy each other. We, there's, a, there's a real love between the two of us. In my mind, I never imagined this will happen. Palestinian and Jew, but it's happened, you know, through, through this, through love. Yeah. There's a longing. You know, that was recorded before this, these most recent events, these last period of time. So pray for brothers and sisters in that part of the world, trying to become one together. And don't you just long to see oneness happen when you hear that in the body? The early church was built on oneness. When Jesus, before Jesus left, he promised that the Holy Spirit would come. And in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came, and it was crazy. It's called Pentecost. You can read about it in Acts 2. Read it. And as part of the miracle of that day, God caused people who spoke different languages to actually be able to hear in one message, one coherent message. People literally were saying, how are we understanding this? It was a multilingual miracle that happened that day, and the church exploded, 3,000 people in one day. Because oneness, because the Holy Spirit jump-started oneness, salvation in Christ, and oneness. And can I tell you what happened right after that? 
right after that. It's something you've probably heard around here if you've been around here, but I want to share it with you. And I want you to picture believers coming together, speaking different languages that, that just happened. And then we read this in Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Oneness continued in the church. I can only believe that it was an amazing time, and I can only assume that people who spoke different languages came together to be one. In the temple courts they came, and in homes they met together. There had to be some uncomfortable moments, right? Can we get a translator over here? They did have food, right? Food is like the universal language. Food doesn't need to be translated, does it? Right? That's why we do first Sunday lunch. Everybody, oh, food. But what fused them together was what Jesus had done on the cross. That's what made them one. And I share all this to tell you that God's vision of oneness is all over the New Testament. It's all over. Author Scott McKnight said this, God's desire is for us to experience multi-ethnic fellowship now in the local church as it will be for eternity. God's heart is for total reconciliation. What that means is what we see happening in the world and the division and the strife among people groups. Oh no, when you come into the church, that changes. That is reconciled. That is made right. Because in the body of Christ, that's what we do. We love each other to oneness. We love each other to oneness. Oneness. Unidad. Can you say it with me again in Spanish? Unidad. Oneness. The found becoming one regardless of language, ethnicity, personality, or past. That's our Savior's vision. The found being transformed to one in him to change the world. How do we do that? How in the world do we do that? How do we accomplish that? We see what happens in our world. We see how, how it's divided by sin. How does that happen in a body? Well, in the world, that's life without Jesus. We're in a new family now. And three plus years ago, we started to really embrace this more. And we did it because, honestly, the Holy Spirit brought it to us. It came with prayer. We knew it was true. We knew it was biblical. And our city, on top of that, our city's changing. Our states are changing. Our country is changing, right? And as followers of Jesus in the church, we can grumble and complain about change. We can engage in speculation or controversy about it. Or we can center on what's before us, God's heart for oneness. Unidad. It's been kind of crazy. It's been a crazy time trying to let the Holy Spirit lead this, but it's been 
amazing to see. And some of us has, have embraced it. It's filling our hearts. It's filling our hearts. Probably all of us at some time have been really uncomfortable by it. It requires sacrifice. Sacrifice, right? And I'll just say to our, our Spanish speakers who are here, thank you for the sacrifice you make every week in listening to the message through the headset, right? That's a sacrifice. Because I know you're missing something as you hear that. I know you're missing something. So thank you for your sacrifice. You know, all of us wish that this, it was easier, right, embracing people who are different than us. Yeah, me too. And to some of us, the idea of moving towards each other who are different than us is like my dog Eddie when he visits the vet. That's how we may feel. And some don't want to be a part of it. But the beautiful thing is, it's, it's happening. We are being transformed into one as we continue to lean into this and let Jesus lead it. Last Thursday night, we had um, a couple of our small group families came together, people who are different from each other, who speak different languages. And there's a longing to see this oneness increase, to know each other, not just on Sundays in passing, but on a deeper level together in smaller circles, unidad. And I long to see a day when all of our small group families just naturally, it's just natural to welcome people who are different than us, regardless of who they are, what they look like, where they come from, what language they speak, where we seek one another out and lovingly pursue each other, where our oneness results more and more in what Jesus prayed for, that it would impact the world and draw people to him, to the Savior. Can I tell you, it's happening. It's happening. People are watching what is happening here. People are asking about it. Church leaders in our association of churches are watching what happens here. So how do we do it? How do we, as those who are found in Jesus, those who believe, how are we transformed into one in Christ? How do we do that? First, we pray, God, make us one. God, give us your heart. Make us one. God, make us one. We pray continually. Then we watch. We watch Jesus. We watch what he did with his disciples. We watch how he pursued oneness. On the back of your chair, you got a towel. You can go ahead. If you're around, grab a towel. Grab one of those and hold it, okay? And Jesus did an exercise. And these towels are for you to take home with you, actually, and keep. Jesus did an exercise with his followers, and he passed it on to them. In John 13, it says that Jesus got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And when he had finished washing the feet of his followers. He put his clothes back on and returned to his place. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you? 
And he said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. And then he went on to say this, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. You'll have a witness if you do this. If you love one another. And not long after that came the prayer, Father, make them one. Make them one so that the world would know. So this towel represents advancing the kingdom. It rep- it's a powerful tool against division, against the enemy. It's, it's part of the path to oneness. Because to wash someone's feet is to love them and to serve them. And Jesus' mission for his disciples and for us was to do this with each other, to love each other. And the towel is used in two ways. And some of you who are group leaders here remember talking about this a couple years ago. The towel is used in two ways. You serve other people with it, and you allow yourself to be served. You allow others to wash your feet. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. You allow others to serve you and to love you. That requires humility. It requires elevating other people above yourself. That second one, allowing others to serve you, is a hard one because we've been trained and formed by the culture in America to be self-sufficient, to be independent from other people. Not in a church. Not in a church. This towel helps overcome differences, personality, language, ethnicity. It can be used like food with no words. With no words. And back to capture the flag. Remember, for the best odds, the best odds, the whole team's got to buy in. The whole team has got to buy in. Without that, oneness gets a little farther off, as does the advancement of God's kingdom. And I just want to say this in understanding that God is absolutely in control and and able to do whatever he wants and responsible for any good that can come out of us. I want to say this. You have no idea how important you are here in the body. You have no idea how important you are. There's a reason why we want everyone to be in a small group family. And these are some of our small group families, some of them. It's not to get our numbers up. It's not to say, look what we did. Look how many people we have. It's because you are needed in this body. We need you to wash feet. We need you to wash other people's feet. And you need others. Whether you admit it or not, you need others to wash your feet, to be spiritually healthy. You need others to wash your feet. Think about that. Give you a second to ponder on that. When a church starts, usually it's started by a pastor or a church planter. They go in, they start the church, they love, they serve others, but eventually it grows to the point where, oh, that can't happen anymore. And unless that body learns to wash each other's feet, 
that body will not grow. It has to happen. It has to, people have to learn to love and serve each other or disciples will not be fully formed. So that's what we do around here. And we break things down into small group families. That's the reason we do it. We want everyone to be in one. And the towel in the small group family brings oneness. It brings oneness, unidad. The towel advances God's kingdom. The towel heals division. So we pray, God, make us people of the towel. Make us people of the towel. Make my small group people of the towel. In this battle that we have, God, help us be people of the towel. We have an enemy, and he, he dismantles vision. He tears it apart. He confuses. He threatens the army. He's behind what we saw in 1 Timothy that I read earlier, and he's behind the threats that we face today in the church, many of which kind of mimic the world because what happens in the world can seep in to the church. Here's some things I think threats we face in 2024. Screen time, distraction, loneliness, independent living, endless debates over ideologies and elections, political, social, economic. Another threat, just busyness. We're supposed to, right, all this technology, we're supposed to, it's supposed to be easier. It just ramps up more and more and more. There's somebody behind that. That's the enemy. So the question is, will we let these threats stand in the way of the advancement of God's kingdom? Timothy, I'm leaving you here in Hilliard in 2024 that you may command people not to numb themselves or be controlled with their devices any longer or to devote themselves to conspiracies or endless political debate. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's word, which is by faith. Tell them, Timothy, that their desire to be independent and disconnected yields the same loneliness and self-absorption the world is experiencing. Tell them, Timothy, they need each other. Tell them to unplug from their busy lives. The goal of this command is love. And some have left and departed and chosen to live as the world. But you, but you, man or woman of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love and endurance and gentleness what if we did that? What if we left the worldly distractions? What if we fought in the battle against those? What if we powerfully invested in the body of Christ, in this army that God wants us to be in? Because these threats we face, they don't not only threaten our own health, mental health, spiritual health, they threaten our oneness and our witness to the world. So as we approach what is guaranteed to be, and you know it and I know it, a ugly, divided election season that's coming up, right? It's already started. Will we be known as that man or woman who's outraged, who rants, who spews hatred, or will we be known as a man or woman of the towel 
I tell you this now on this Vision Sunday to prepare for it because we know it's coming, right? We know it's coming. The threats are coming. And so we can decide now. And I would just urge you, don't give the enemy a seat at the table. Don't let him into your lives. Don't let him into our barracks. Jesus wants the lost to be found. He wants the found to be transformed into one. When that happens, perhaps then we can debate on who has less mud on their shoes or who cleans their weapon better or when the exact date of Jesus' return is. And I can't wait for him to come back. So some questions today. Some questions to think about. Do I see myself as part of something bigger, as a part of the body of Christ? How am I personally being a part of carrying out what the commander wanted? How am I doing that? How am I helping the lost be found, the found transformed? How am I pursuing oneness with my brother and sister who are like me and who are different than me? Am I in a position to use the towel? Am I using it? Am I in a position to receive from my brothers and sisters? Do people know what's happening in my life? This towel is for you to take home to remember the vision. I hope you get the towel dirty. I hope you use the towel. And for those of you who are in our small group families, and I want to welcome anyone to be in a family. Some questions for our small group. How are we together as a group living out what Jesus wanted us to do, this vision? How are we helping the lost be found together? How are we helping the found be transformed? And are we looking as a group with open arms to invite people in, to invite people in? And what will we need to change so that that is true? I urge you, church, brothers and sisters who love each other so well in this body, be a soldier in the body of Christ. It's an army we're going to live in forever. The gates of hell will not stand against it. And I do. I see a future. I pray for it. And I see it arriving now. The vision in Revelation 7 that the author saw. As he said, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. To the Lamb. I see a church as Derwin Gray says, a church that would bring heaven to earth through redeemed people. I want to live that way. I want to live out the vision of Jesus. I want LCC to lead the charge in that. People will be watching us as we go through these turbulent times, these election cycles, these financial cycles, corruptions, wars, rumors, rumors of wars. People will be watching. People are watching. What is our gospel witness I say, let's get the flag back home. Let's do this. We want a unified army. We want to be people of the towel. Oneness.
unidad. Nosotros estamos unidos. I say that right? We are one. Nosotros estamos unidos. Let's pray. Oh God, we, we thank you for who you are. You are God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in community. Thank you for your clear call. Thank you for the way you take sinners and you not only redeem them, you not only forgive those who call out to you, but you give them a family and a home to be a part of a battle together, to reach more and more who don't know about the incredible work that you did on the cross. Thank you, God, that we get to share in that. And God, I pray over our body for protection in this time where there's so much distraction, so much confusion. But God, you bring a clarity that is just so crystal clear of where life is found. And so God, help us to embrace the vision. Make us one. Make us one. God, we want people to see you when they see us. To see you when they see us. And we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's not on. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay. See? It's good to hear. <laughs> it's good to hear. Um, so let me give you some updates about the next couple months just to let you know what's going on. Um, next week, we are going to be here. We are going to have first Sunday lunch together with the people from RELC. I encourage you, next week, don't hive off to LCC and let them hive off to RELC. We're going to try and be together, right, and mix. All right. Um, so we are, things are moving, man. Carpet was put in uh, Saturday, started putting carpet in the kids' life. It's moving really fast now. Um, it's looking like February 18th, so it's one week later than we had hoped. That's okay, though. February 18th, we'll be back. That's what, three weeks? That's something like that? We're excited. It is looking, it's looking really good over that. Now, let me say something. As we go back, we will be in the lobby in the kids' life area only. So we'll have the service actually in the lobby uh, while they continue to work on the youth room in the auditorium. What that means is we're going to have to have some grace because we're going to be right next to Kids Life. It might get a little loud at times. It might be a little different, but that's okay. It'll be a good environment, and we'll experience it together. And it won't be for long because it will go into the auditorium not long after that. So that's exciting. Also, starting Monday, they are going to start building, rebuilding the warehouse on Monday and the offices. So things are moving. We're excited for it. So here next week, don't forget, mylcc.info. You can sign up. I was also supposed to announce, too, I remembered that we will take submissions one more week for the Honduras T-shirt contest. It's on mylcc.info. So if you've got an idea, throw it in there. We don't have a lot of entries right now, so your idea might, get, <laughs> might be the one. All right? So thank you, guys. Thank you for loving each other the way you do. Thank you for being the body of Christ together. Let's stay focused on what he wants us to do. Have a great day.